Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you know how many times Jesse refers to Walt by his first name in the series? No. No, I have no idea. I always love the fact that he calls him Mr. White throughout the series, even though, um, you know, he should be on a first name basis with him. So how many times was it? So this is the first of two times. So in this episode, in um, 205. Two, like in the whole series? Yeah, two in the whole series. Uh, if, wow. You know, if, if the Breaking Bad wiki is telling me the <laughs> truth. <laughs> so yeah. um, the first time happens in 205 breakage. And then the second and last time is in um, the 13th episode of season five in uh, Tahajali. And that's when Jesse is working with Hank and Gomi, and uh, he's they're trying to fake Walt out into believing that he's burning his money. And it's in that conversation on the phone with with Walt that he calls him Walt again. So it um it stands out, right? I don't know if, if when watching this episode, it really stood out to you when he calls him Walt, and that's in that scene where they're in, in the RV, and they're again talking about the, the division of labor. And Jesse's like, we're going to do things my way this time, Walt, right? And so he says it with this, this sense of authority. And uh, but but to your point, Pete, right, like we're so used to hearing him, you know, be respectful and deferential, referring to him as Mr. White, that it really stands out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that that's one of the things that we talked about back in season one was how Walt really feeds off that the, the fact that he can kind of dominate Jesse most of the time and that he does look up to him and they do have that that power differential, you know, where regardless of of what's going on he he can still kind of say you know tell him what to do he he still has control over him in a way and um this is uh, an episode where we see that that change up a little bit which is which is you know makes it seem very um very specific to do that right then and and it's probably you know something that they thought about when they were writing it and i will admit to a bit of a learning curve Oh, and perhaps I was overly ambitious. In any case, it's not going to happen that way anymore. Yeah, damn straight. Know why? Because we do things my way this time, or I walk. You need me more than I need you, Walt. This is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad rewatch podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Pete. And today we're going to be talking about uh, 205 Breakage, which was written by Moira Wally Beckett and directed by the Swedish, who's Swedish, right? <laughs> Director mm -hmm. Johan Renk. We also get introduced to a new character in this one. I'm talking about uh, Spooch. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, he's new too, but <laughs> <laughs> this is where uh, Jane makes her entrance. Right. So a lot happens in this yes. one. Um, Pete, you want to give us a, a synopsis of this? Sure. The episode opens with two men crossing the Rio Grande River 
to jump the border between Mexico and the U.S. On the shore, one of them steps on something in the mud, which turns out to be Tuco's grill encased in its lucite cube. Following the final treatment in Walt's first round of chemo, he gets some good news. The doctor tells him that he's cautiously optimistic about what's happening with his uh, cancer. And then some bad news. The bill is more than he thought it would be. When he gets home, he hears Skylar on the phone with the insurance company talking about this, you know, post-fugue state hospital stay and learns that that's going to cost him an additional $13,000. Skylar asks if Gretchen and Elliot might pay for it, and Walt says that he'll handle it. Later, he sneaks into the nursery to get the money to cover the costs and realizes he's almost through the money he's made by this point. Yeah, I mean, and we saw, um, was it in 203, that he gives Jesse half of his, his money after, <laughs> after Hank takes it? Yeah, 204. It. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, back to zero. Yeah, he gives him half, almost half, right? He There's that one extra yeah. stack that he keeps <laughs> yeah. him for himself, but it's still. I was still surprised to see him do it. Um, so he gets after he after he looks at the money and realizes that he basically has none, he goes and gets sick in the toilet and it gets clogged and while he's plunging it, he discovers that Skylar has flushed a pack of cigarettes, which is a amateur mistake if you think about it, but we'll probably come back to that. Um Hank gets a promotion, but then on his way out to lunch, he has a panic attack in the elevator where he's in there alone. He's getting ready to go meet his his buddies to have a celebratory lunch, and yeah, he has a full-on panic attack. Now that Jesse's temporarily flush, he goes back and pays off Clovis and makes a deal to store the RV there while he's not using it. He also walks away a proud owner of a used 1986 Toyota Tercel. Can I can I just say, Pete, I love your choice of words there and talking about how Jesse is temporarily flush. I mean, there's a lot of toilets <laughs> in this series, <laughs> right? So we saw in the previous episode, poor Jesse falling through the, the porta potty. And then, as you noted, yeah. uh, the evidence is coming back up that Skylar tried to get rid of there, huh? So that Jesse's he's flush in a different way in this one and the good kind of flush, right? <laughs> yeah, that was totally subconscious, too. I didn't really... Um put that together until you mentioned it right now oh uh, you should have taken credit for it it's it's a good one <laughs> yeah yeah that's not really my style though <laughs> he then goes looking for an apartment where he meets the manager jane brand new character that you alluded to earlier and since he can't provide any of the information she needs uh she's not initially interested in running to him but she comes around after he explains the situation with his family oh, i love that moment that's such a great moment like it was Hearing about how he's a disappointment to his family, that that's when yeah. her, her whole attitude changed. And I can't wait to talk more about that. Yeah. And what's great about that is you don't know who she is or mm -hmm. even if she's important. I mean, you can kind of tell by this, you know, that this is not some, you know, th that it's a real actor and that it's probably going to be a role or whatever. But before you even know anything about her, you track that perfectly. Like it's, you can't miss it that, that, that she feels a connection to Jesse and, and what's going on with him. So yeah. Huge tone shift. Yeah. And, um, he meets up with Walter cook and brings up the futility of it all since they can't sell their product. Now that Tuco's gone, Jesse comes up with the idea that they should become Tuco themselves by creating a network of dealers that he like Jesse will coordinate. And then Walt, 
doesn't like the idea because he doesn't want to bring people that he doesn't know into the operation. Jesse wins the argument by pointing out that Walt needs him more than he needs Walt. And, and then we see him going. And that's the time where he refers to him by his first name. You need me more than I yeah. need you, Walt. That's right. Yeah, okay. And he, he so then he goes and he meets up with Skinny Pete, Badger, and Combo and explains his vision for their, their new organization. Walt and Skyler visit Hank and Marie for a barbecue. Walt listens to Hank tell Junior about the shootout, and Skyler finally gets Marie to apologize for stealing the tiara. Jesse's plan to sell the meth is going pretty well up until the moment that Skinny Pete gets robbed by a couple of his customers. When he meets with Walt, he describes the loss as breakage, which seems reasonable, but Walt doesn't accept this as something that just happens as, you know, the cost of doing business. Walt confronts Skylar about the smoking and they have a fight. Hank and Marie have a scare in the middle of the night when his beer bottles start to explode in the garage. Walt brings Jesse the gun to his apartment and tells him that he wants him to handle it in relation to the people who stole their meth. And the episode ends with Hank standing on the riverbank, throwing Tuco's grill into the water. So what were your overall impressions of this pretty important episode? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about this at the top, right? So there is this, this tone shift. So there's the shift with the, the power dynamics uh, between some of the characters and shifts with the characters, uh, um, like, like with Walt and Skylar and with Jesse and Walt. Um, Skylar and Marie, right? There's a lot of really interesting, interesting things going on between all those characters. And it, it is a really great episode. I love all this character development, especially with Hank. So we get to see this whole new side of him as we begin to see the effects of the Tuco shootout. So in our uh, discussion of, I think it was 203 Bit by a Dead Bee, um, we noted that the grocery store that Walt's founded, you know, when he's, um, when he's naked and that's how he gets out of his his uh, fugue state, um, it's called high-low. And I feel like since that that episode, we've seen a, quite a few high and low moments for each of the characters. So, like, Hank gets this really great promotion that he should be, you know, by all accounts, really excited for. Um, but then it's followed by this, like, onset, sudden onset of PTSD. So we, we see that for the first time in, in the elevator when he's going down, as you, as you noted, when he goes to have lunch with, um, with his buddies. So yeah. I and I really appreciate how um they've bookended this one with the grill so that cold open where the immigrants find the block of lucite and then at the end with Hank tossing it into the water. I thought that was a really nice way to encapsulate this this episode. So um the the object uh, we've talked a lot about objects and their significance in the series, but the object symbolic of his success, right? So that that grill, this was a, a major moment in his career that has helped to elevate him. Um, it's it's a so it's now symbolic not just of that success, but also of like the trauma, the shortcomings, right? So and I think it's really interesting, and this is something they did talk about on the Insider podcast is how the the Rio Grande flows through Albuquerque and um, goes down through El Paso and to the border. So like this, uh, this idea that you can't really get rid of something, it's going to, it's going to flow downstream, um, is perhaps foreshadowing that he won't be able to escape that trauma. Yeah, I agree. And I just wanted to, to interject that um, I never put two and two together. Like I was always so caught up by the, just the the discovery of the grill and everything else, I never put two and two together that they were crossing 
but that wasn't in the same place where he threw that into the water. Like, because obviously, you know, I wasn't thinking about the geography of the area or whatever. I was just, I knew that they were crossing the border or whatever. So it just made sense. But yeah, that's, that's way downstream, uh, in Texas where the border actually is, right? Yeah, I think they said it's like 200 some odd miles um, yeah. from Albuquerque to, to this point where it's supposed to be. So yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff that goes on with, with the other characters, as I noted, like especially Skylar and Jesse. And I really love uh, the cinematography and some of the, the shots in this one. Uh, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean... Tuco is that bee that keeps on biting, huh? Um, but yeah, I agree totally about the cinematography that jumped out at me right away. This is a gorgeous episode from the underwater and outdoor shots in the teaser. Those close-ups when he's getting the chemo done and the nighttime stuff in the montage when they're dealing. Um, all of it, it, it has, this one has a distinct look in a series that always kind of looks good, you know, like it. They, I was looking back at some of the other episodes when I was doing my notes, and they look fantastic too, but this one, it just seemed to have something about it that, that jumped out at me. Yeah, the um, you, you just noted the, the chemo close-ups, and something that occurred to me when re-watching this was, again, just like these little sort of cinematic details that I don't think I, I ever noticed before. I mean, it's not like it's like, you know, not overt or anything, it's just I wasn't really looking for it, but... There are three separate moments in this episode that kind of mirror that that opening um, right after the the cold uh, open with Walt getting his IV. So we also see the tubing in Hank's brew brewing area mm-hmm. in the garage for his Schrader brow, and then um, later in the RV, there's a I think there's a close up one on their like meth equipment and stuff like that. So you get those those close ups on on the tubing and. Um, yeah, I have more to say about that. We'll come back to it. Sorry to interrupt you, Pete. Yeah, no no problem. But, you know, story-wise, the whole thing seems to revolve around the way Walt can't really turn his situation around. You know, he's he's pretty, he's got his hands tied in a way that um, you can tell is not, not exactly working for him. And you mentioned the book ending with the grill. And I also liked how they did that with his saying, I'll handle it, you know, to Skylar about the bills and then later saying, I want you to handle it to Jesse at the end. Um, it's sort of like the natural conclusion to what started in 204 with those external forces that are holding each one of them back, setting up roadblocks, whatever you want to call it. And Walt not being able to like Cal Schuyler to into like accepting his story about the fugue state and just moving on, you know? And and then you see that where he lashes out at Jesse at the end of that episode. And now it's coming out in a different way. There's this, um, I mean, he's basically promoting intimidation through violence and he's not doing it himself. He's, he's transferring that responsibility to his partner, which is a major character development that I don't know that really jumps out at you the first time you see it because you're just sort of trying to figure out where it's going to go next. And um, on a rewatch, it's 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 pretty pretty overt. It's pretty in your face. And um, yeah, this is a, I really enjoyed this going back and rewatching this one for those kinds of details. Yeah, I agree completely. And um, one of the things I have in my notes is that this episode. So, so we talked a little bit already about like the shift in in um, in in power, and this is really a loss of control for Walt. And I think what you just said, Pete, really 
you know, it, it, you said it very eloquently. So he's frustrated with um, what's going on in his personal life with his wife, and he's taking that out on Jesse. And there are a couple of other uh, really interesting parallels, I think, in this episode. I just want to point out one, and that's when Skylar and Marie are at, at Marie and Hank's house for this little barbecue. And they're in the kitchen, and um, Skylar uh, calls Marie out, and she she forces her to apologize. And it's such a vulnerable moment, right? And like you can read that scene, or at least I read that scene rewatching it. Like it wasn't just like like the the disconnect between her and her sister, between Skylar and Marie, but it was also Skylar feeling this disconnect with her own husband, right? And like grasping to try to 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 fix things, to to make. To, I, I guess to make up with, with Marie. And so I, I read that very much as like the, the stress with Walt, she was also carrying over into that relationship. And I think you see Walt doing that uh, with Jesse. You know, he's, he's a uh, yeah, 100%. I, I didn't make that connection until you brought it up, but that, that is um, exactly what Skylar's doing. She can't, she can't bring Walt around. So she does have a little bit more power in her relationship with her her little sister because of the the you know the fa- family dynamics there so she she kind of exerts herself in that that arena instead yeah when she says i need my my sister back you could read the subtext there is i need my husband back right and so yeah. um again like with with this uh this 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 vying for power so we see like jesse's got a little bit of an upper hand he's able to you know call walt out um he's able to uh, verbalize that walt really is in a position where he's dependent on jesse and jesse's owning that power um and skylar in this one is also trying to give walt a taste of his own medicine right so she's kind of giving him the silent Mm -hmm. treatments and um how she she uh, goes out and doesn't tell him where she's going and things like that and um it stresses him out right yeah, it's wild too because there's a lot of effort that goes into that on her part. Like you kind of don't think about it initially, but like where the hell does she even go? You know what I mean? Like she's not talking to Marie, so it's not like she goes over to her place and hangs out. You know, like where like she just basically has to work at being not around the house for the entire day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's she not t- an easy thing to do, especially when you're pregnant and you yeah. just want to, you know, be able to kick your feet up uh, like after you do things and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like th- there's like a, a, I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, that would, that would be hard for me to do to like, just stay out of the house for the entire yeah. day, just for the the reason of, um, you know, making a point to my partner. You're listening to Growth Decay Transformation. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. 
No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Let's get cooking. We're back with more growth decay transformation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we see, we do get to see at least like one scene of what she does. And that's when she goes to the convenience store and buys a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. And then that woman's giving her all those horrible judgmental looks in the car next to her. So maybe she just like goes to a park and parks her car somewhere or something like that. I don't know. It is, it is. Yeah, she was reading to... a book at one point. So maybe she, you know, goes in somewhere and has a place where she can. I mean, I would go to a cafe, I guess, and, and, and read or something like that. Maybe she does. I don't know. I mean, outside of her family, we don't really get a – and Ted, maybe. <laughs> we don't really get a sense yeah. of, of Skylar's personal life, you know? But, like, there, there, are thing, there are moments, like, when they have parties, like, at her her um, baby shower or um, when they have that party later, you know, when, when uh, Walt makes Junior drink the um, – what are they yeah. drinking? Tequila. I don't even remember what Tequila. they're tequila. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Junior throws up in the pool. There are a lot of people around them. So they do have friends. Um, we don't really get to know those those characters though. So I mean maybe she goes and hangs out with with friends. She clearly doesn't go to her sister because her sister um is so no <laughs> so nosy and um would be able to to tell that perhaps there was something wrong. And plus, you know, Skylar's not really on speaking terms with her at this point. So I mean, it is it is interesting to think about what they're doing when the camera isn't rolling. Like, what do they get up to? Where are they? And um, that's something that even this episode uh, raises the the question of uh, one of the I think more interesting scenes in this episode is that confrontation that kind of sets everything off with Skylar and uh, and Walt. And that's when she's sitting on the floor eating her panini, reading her book, and Walt comes in and he's you know, sort of braiding her, like, where's your son? And she's like, you know what, Walt, if you want to know, pick up the phone, right? You know, it's like this. Yeah, this... After after he, he gets on her for eating the one that's high in, in sodium or whatever it was, he saw what she was eating and that set off the, uh, the you know, him, him being concerned about what she was up to or whatever. Yeah, well, he has the cigarettes in his back pocket, too. So it's like the perfect, like, entree mm -hmm. to be able to bring that up and to, to start a fight with her sort of thing. But yeah, rewatching it. I mean, I I always I always empathize more with Skyler in that scene, but even more so upon a rewatch. I'm like, God, he's such an ass, you know? He really is such an ass. Like, if you really try to put yourself in her position and see where she's she's coming from, 
Um, it's an interesting choice that the writers make to have her smoke while pregnant. I think um, that's kind of that's kind of in the in the thing. Like, I mean, I guess if you look, like I actually looked it up whenever I was watching this to see because there was obviously a time when they didn't really tell expectant mothers to not smoke or quit smoking. You know what I mean? Yeah, like but certainly by two thousand eight, two thousand nine, yeah, whatever this yeah. is, yeah. But by, by the nineties, they were they were pretty serious about that um the warning it and 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 i was looking at some of the things like even then about 30 percent um would continue to smoke through pregnancy mostly probably because their mothers had done that or their grandmothers or whatever you know what i mean like there wasn't uh the the generational um effect of of it being like that way or whatever but i mean i think this is something that a lot of people it's like a it's like a it's a they have a firm position on like if, yeah. a, if a woman smokes during pregnancy that's like worse than anything that anybody can do because it's there's an there's someone that can't do anything about it involved there's the baby you know what i mean the yeah baby she's is... evil she's evil right so i mean the skylar question and the skylar discussion is something i feel like we've sort of danced around quite a bit and i i feel like mm -hmm. as we get deeper into the series there will be more opportunities to explore it but certainly this one um, some of the choices they make, right, like they, they make sense for the character to show like this is a very stressed out woman who is behaving very uncharacteristically. She's someone who we meet in the first episode who wants to eat like low sodium, like vegan bacon or whatever it is, turkey bacon that she's mm -hmm. making them eat. Um, She's watching their cholesterol, echinacea, all that. Like you get the sense that this is someone that's very holistic and healthful and tries to be conscientious of these of these things. Um, so, and Walt even points out how uncharacteristic she's behaving. So eating something with a high sodium content, smoking cigarettes, right, um, illustrates mm -hmm. that there's this character under pressure. And I think um, the, this idea of characters under pressure is something we see quite a bit throughout this episode. But when it comes to, to Skylar in particular, just to, to circle back to this idea of like these sort of like negative stereotypes associated specifically with women, um, I think some of the, the unfair criticism levied at Skylar comes down to these like archetypes that are so deeply ingrained in our culture like the the good wife the good mother like you can you can't have affairs you can't harm your children right like those are like the cardinal sins of being a, a woman <laughs> at least like in popular yeah. culture right so um i know like the showrunners certainly like vince gilligan has talked about some of his regrets of how uh, some of the some audience some audience members responded to to skylar and and their their grievances with her and how like her having that affair with Ted is like far worse than anything Walt did, which is absurd to me. Like, it's not even apples and oranges, you know? Like, how do you compare murder and child poisoning you know, and cooking meth to like, you mm -hmm. know, um, someone uh, stepping out um, and having an extramarital affair when she was trying to divorce the guy, right? But I'm not going to, I'm going to get off my soapbox. I don't want to get too much into the, the Skylar conversation right now. But it is, it, as you say, it's an interesting choice that they made. Yeah, it, I mean, because like I said, it's one of those things that people don't usually say, you know, it's not something that you're like, oh, well, I, I could, you know, I, I don't really care one way or the other. If, if someone wants to do that when they're pregnant, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like people uh, generally are, are, you know, virulently like just like completely passionately against the idea of, of a person smoking while they're pregnant. And, um, you know, and it. It, um, and I think that that's probably right. I mean, like, mm -hmm. I think 
definitely people shouldn't smoke while they're pregnant. They probably shouldn't drink alcohol at all, you know, either and all that kind of stuff because, you know, there's another body, there's another developing body involved, you know what I mean? But like in the context of what she's going through, it's not so much about her being a awful person. It's about her being in an awful situation. You know, like, I think that's their intention, right? They're, they're trying to say what you pointed out earlier, that this person who is, you know, in the beginning of the story, very responsible, very mm-hmm. healthy, very, um, uh, you know, pro-family, all, all of those things. They're trying to now show this stark contrast of, like, who she is after all this weird stuff's going on with her husband, which is, you know, all pretty relatable. I just think that that choice, you know, that, that, that's something that people pull up, like, yeah, all the time, you you know, to say like that she's a hypocrite. And then, and like, you know, it, it, to me, it, it comes down more to like, these are not, this life is complicated. Everything that happens in a relationship, it's, there's moving parts and it's all very, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't break down that easily as like to say, well, Yes, okay, like you mentioned, you know, Walt did decide to start cooking meth and you know, he's he's unleashing all of this product on the on the on the people over there in that area and all of this stuff. But none of that is as bad as as Skylar smoking three and a half cigarettes when she was pregnant. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just not that it's just not that black and white, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean just to clarify in case there's anyone out there listening who thinks like I'm defending smoking while cigarette uh, smoking while pregnant. Yeah, I don't abs- think so. But absolutely maybe, maybe. not. And yeah. I guess what I'm really opining on here is like that choice, that that um, writer's choice or directorial yeah, yeah, choice that exactly they made. Yeah, that's exactly why I was bringing it yeah, up. Yeah, I think because... it's unfortunate, and I wonder, you know, it'd be great if we ever get Vince Gilligan on the show <laughs> or ever have the opportunity to ask him, like, would he have changed that? Because there are other ways to show that she is self-destructing, and I think that's what's happening. This is a character under yeah. pressure who starts to behave uncharacteristically, and it's it's again, it's something thematic happening to other characters in the series as well at this point in time. So um, characters acting in a way that we're not used to them seeing, Hank and his PTSD, Jesse taking a more assertive position, um, and then Skylar, you know, as, as we've just been pointing out, like, you know, doing all these things, like eating like the high sodium, smoking cigarettes, stuff like that, right? So it's, it's again, I mean, I understand it. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense for the character, right? Like, this is a character under pressure, and this is how she behaves when she's feeling stressed. It's self-destructive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's unfortunate. You know, I'm I'm I understand why people are mad that she smokes. I get it. And I think it's like a valid thing to be upset about. But what I don't just last point on this and I think we could probably move on. Just my my last point about this is like why people feel the need to compare like the the evils that the characters commit cuz like it's a no contest. Mm-hmm. Walt is is the 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 villain in the series. I mean, a lot of the characters do bad things and they make bad choices. And things like that, but I don't think you can say that Skylar is as bad as as Walt. Um, that's just absurd. It's really absurd to me. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, and I, and I'll just underline that idea that definitely not promoting yeah, smoking while pregnant. And but like I, I was coming from the same place as you pointed out of, of just that choice because you know there there could be different things in that place. And you know, like when I was looking at it yesterday, I mean, like. It's pretty crazy how normal that used to be. I mean, I looked at a, a study from the 1960s and like 40% of women smoked through their pregnancy in that wow. study. You know, that's not everyone, but like that's four out of every 10. So, 
you know what I mean? Like that's like um, all the boomers like alive today, you know? And yeah, like you know, <laughs> so so like you know, some of the people that would be you know condemning her for doing this probably had uh, a parent that did that. You know, what I mean, if not their mother, then their father was probably definitely smoking and and around her the whole time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, you know I mean? they could have just shown her eating shellfish or something like that, you know, yeah. something one of those other like <laughs> things you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant. Um but yeah, they they chose they chose the smoking and it's um you already kind of talked about like the flushing of the cigarette pack. So I mean that is an important point. So maybe it was just a plot point, right? Like they wanted that to to um come back up and just something else that that kind of occurred to me again like sort of visual rhetoric of of this particular episode. It's this idea of like the characters trying to to flush or wash away um, their troubles or or whatever or their problems. So like Hank throwing the grill into the river, he's trying to in a way flush it, divest himself of it. Skylar trying to flush the cigarettes and they come back up. You know, you can't you can't really mm-hmm. uh, get rid of those things. And and maybe perhaps even more significant than that, you like poison is going to come back up. Anything that's poisoning you is going to come back up. And then. Um, you can also think of Walt getting sick, throwing up after chemo again. So um, the, this idea of like you can't really wash away your your troubles, your sins, your problems. They will come back up. What would you say? Is hope the best medicine? <laughs> uh, I love that that scene. And, you know, actually, um, when I was considering like what to do for our, the opening of this episode, Pete, instead of asking about how many times Jesse... Uh, you know, uh, refers to Walter as Walt. I was going to ask, um, <laughs> I was going to ask your thoughts on this particular moment where, where Hank throws, not Hank, when Walt throws away the, the hope button. Cause I think it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting point. As I was just saying, and maybe this is why you thought of it, uh, the idea of trying to get rid of things, right? So we see these characters yeah. throwing things away. And what does Walt throw away? He throws away hope. What? So I think well, that's a really it's not interesting medicine, contrast. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From his point of view, I hope it can't be the best medicine because it's not medicine at all. You know what I mean? Like that's what I really thought was funny about that was that it that's such a lost idea on someone who thinks the way that he does, right? Yeah. Like hope is is dangerous, perhaps. At at this point in his life. Like he can't yeah. he can't risk being hopeful for anything. He's just trying to make his money and die. Yeah, because that's the only thing that he should be able to to control. But then we see throughout these last two episodes, he's not having much luck at, with that either. You know what I mean? So hoping for it isn't going to make a difference from from his point of view, right? Um, yeah, I love, I love got- that scene. I love that scene when the woman. This is um, for those of you that that need a little refresher. This is when he's at the the doctor's getting the chemo and that great little actress the older woman that always rings him up at the end um uh-huh. she prints out the bill for him and it you know as i wrote down in my notes cvs receipt right so anyone that if you've um been in the u.s and gone to a, a cvs you'll know that they're uh, receipts that they print out you know you buy like a pack of gum you know and maybe like a bag of uh-huh. chips or something and you get like a you know a, a receipt as long as your arm sort of thing so I know that that yeah that's what I had that in my notes too I just had it keeps going because yeah. it's like it's like pages it's like multiple pages and um I really like that it's sort of a throwback to those old dot matrix printers that they used to have you know and before the the, the CVS one you're talking about is sort of like 
lightning fast and and um yeah kind of compact she has a, like a an actual booklet that she gives him for his, <laughs> his bill yeah. yeah i mean that's that's a good point it keeps on going right and so like this uh i think thematically what's happening for walt is like he's it just keeps on going like the the need for money and not being able to catch up right so that's that's something else that figures i think really prominently into the, to this episode that he can't ever really get ahead I, I thought that it was it was um you know he, he I, there was a there was a nice contrast in the way that you know he's everything is stressing him out money wise obviously we saw Jesse go through that in the last um episode everything going wrong for him and then he gets a little bit of money you know and uh his clothing choices um Jesse's Jesse the way Jesse like you see him come back after you know, after he got the money from, from Walt and, and he's got brand new kicks and, and brand new clothes and, uh, some interesting choices when he went out shopping this time, I think. Yeah. But then, you know, he's, he's smarter with his car, right? Like he gets that little Toyota to sell yeah. or whatever. So instead of going for the nicer blue car that Clovis had in his junkyard, he gets the piece of shit. El Camino, right? I think it was an El Camino. Uh, no, the El Camino is what, um, that was Todd's car. Wasn't it? Well, yeah, but I think that Clovis is. Oh, the got, blue one. It, oh, the blue car. The was it? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't write that down because I, I it hadn't made the connection until right now. But it was definitely a a souped up uh, muscle car, and it could have been an El Camino. Well, while you're while you're looking that up, do you mind if I just keep keep talking? Because there was another un, somewhat unrelated point I wanted to make. Um, Go ahead. That I think is interesting. Maybe our listeners will also find interesting. So uh, I think I've I've noted at the beginning of, of this podcast, not this episode, but when we first started the podcast, that I was a pretty big X-Files fan, like talking about my history, love for television or whatever. And there is an episode that Vince Gilligan wrote called Paper Hearts. And I think it's one of like the more, it's it's one of the better episodes, like better written, better acted. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of great episodes, but this one always stood out, from, stood out to me. And as a kid, I didn't really pay attention to who wrote it, but once I got into Breaking Bad and everything, and I went back and I was like, of course, Vince wrote this episode. And I just have to tell you, like, if you've seen this episode and you're as big of an X-Files fan as I am, um, maybe you know where I'm going with this. But this is this story is like there's this um, this serial killer, like he assaults children um, who drives an El Camino. And uh, mm. he uh, they called him the Mad Hatter. And uh, he would take, like, he would cut out, like, little cloth hearts from, like, the little girl's pajamas of who he would abduct sort of thing. Anyway, long story short, when I saw El Camino for the first time, I was watching it on Netflix with, with some people. And when Jesse was looking for the money in, around Todd's house, I paused it. And I was like, I know where it is. I know where it is. And they're like, what do you mean? How do you know where it is? And I was like, well, because I made this connection to this particular episode. I was like, because Vince wrote that episode, maybe. But, of course, Vince fooled me. I was wrong. But um, in mm. the X-Files episode, Mulder and Scully were looking for these little hearts to try to connect this killer to the crimes or, or whatever. It turns out, I'll, I know this is going on a little too long. I'll, I'll be quick. I'll speed it up here. <laughs> so the guy sells his car. He sold his, his El Camino like back in the 80s or whatever, 70s, 80s. And the guy that bought it took the, the camper shell off, right? So like Mulder goes because he wants to try to find these hearts and he finds this guy. He cuts up this guy's el camino like he cuts like into and it's been nicely restored he tears up the leather looking for these paper hearts and then he remembers like he had this dream where he saw the camper shell 
And he asks if the guy has the camper shell. And it turns out that the paper, the little cloth hearts were hidden in the El Camino shell. Mm. So I was so convinced because like, I don't know. I wonder, I really want to know like if Vince did this intentionally for like his little X-Files fans, like as an Easter egg, because like we saw the camper shell and how it got lowered onto Todd's car and stuff like that. I was like, I wonder if it's going to be hidden in there. But of course it wasn't. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Random connection. And so, <laughs> so I did check it out. That is a El Camino, as far as I can tell. It's sort of soft focus in the background, but if I I'm not an expert, I would think it's a El Camino. Um, let's just say that. Nice. And you, you were talking about X Files, not to totally continue to derail, but um, did you see the dedication at the end of the? Episode? Yeah, to Kim Manners, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who who directed a lot of uh, a lot of those well known X Files episodes? Yeah, Kim Manners. He was he was one of the greats and and good buddies with um with Vince and with um Tom Schnauz, who also wrote on uh, X Files, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, stuff like that. And in the X Files, the terrible X Files reboot that they did, um, at one point Mulder's <laughs> in a in a cemetery, and uh, one of the tombstones had Kim Manners' name on it. So. Cool. So Jane. Um, yeah, Jane. I think that's what we were, right? We 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 touched a little bit on her at the at the beginning, and I think that's the biggest takeaway from everything. I was I was I was making fun of Jesse's clothes, or I was bringing bringing Jesse's clothes up for the, uh, you know, one of the things that really jumped out at me at the, this initial um, introduction was the way that both of these these people look. Because whenever we did the, when I did the, um, the legacy of Breaking Bad episode with Jim and Aaron from Bald Move, you know, we were talking about like, when will this become too far removed from, from popular culture to, you know, to, to where it looks kind of ridiculously old or whatever. And, and the, their, their clothing, um, is, is kind of where you can see the cracks in that, I think, um. I mean, these were these outfits that they're <laughs> that they have on here were totally totally made sense in two thousand nine, but mm-hmm. um, they look a little ridiculous in in hindsight. I think. What do, what do you think about the way that we get introduced to this this uh, tragic young couple? Yeah. So Jane with her her sort of goth emo, uh, I guess, like, aesthetic she has going on. You know, it's interesting, though. Um, I teach uh, college, and I teach um, like mostly, like, you know, young, young adults, so, like, 18 to, like, mm-hmm. 22, thereabouts. And it's starting to become a trend again. Like, this, like, sort of, like, it, it started with, like, kind of 90s stuff creeping in. Like, these kids are walking in. Pete, they're wearing, like, Nirvana and, like, Aaliyah and Tupac shirts. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't even know who these people are. Like, it's just an aesthetic to them. Like, they don't mm-hmm. actually know the music. Not to, I'm, I don't mean to, like, rag on them or whatever. So, I mean, it's just part of, like, the, the style. But, like, some of that, like, early 2000s I guess fashion is also starting to creep in sort of like these like baggier like pants and the, that emo aesthetic like it's interesting because like for like the last few years like I haven't seen a lot of emo or goth kids but I had so many this past semester with like the funky colored hair black hair piercings you know like wearing all black chokers and stuff like that so it's it's an interesting little little cultural shift but um so so maybe it'll be less strange you know like in the next like year or so if this trend continues sort of thing but yeah to your to your point it does stand out it reads as very like you know like mid early 
aughts sort of thing. Um, and yeah. yeah, we were we were talking about the car, right? And like Jesse, and just to go back there as we we get more into like the Jane conversation there too. So like uh, this is Jesse's high moment. So we saw a lot of really really low moments in the previous episode. He really has a hard go with it, and then like things are mm-hmm. as you said, he's coming up flush here, right? And um, you know, I, I love a lot of, of those scenes like with him and, and his boys when they come over and he's like, you know, the head honcho now sort of thing and talking business and, you know, giving them the tour of his of his place. And it seems like Jesse's like really finally in a really good place. Things are really starting to come up for Jesse. And uh, it's all the more tragic knowing what's going to happen with these with these two characters. And I was thinking about about Jesse and Jane and like what could have been had they not had everything this this world around them had like if jesse didn't have to like deal with the fallout of his friend dying because walt combo you know walt wanted to move into this territory and and these these stresses i mean it's, it's very much butterfly effect and you know as like mm. a thought experiment thinking but it's just like i guess like everything is just doomed in this in this series like the characters are so doomed like any especially yeah. ugh. I don't know. It's it I, for me anyway. It was like it was even even sadder to to think about where where it's going with this trajectory. Don't forget your pants. We'll be back right after this short break. Fire up the RV. We're back with more growth decay transformation. It's wild. I was thinking about this for a couple of different reasons. Like the um, how many characters we haven't been introduced to yet. You know, this is that weird period in between. Tuco and and Gus, mm-hmm. you know, like where where it's really there's there's no big uh, antagonist character, you know. They're they're kind of dealing with their own internal issues or whatever. And um, you know, the other thing that popped into my head about this was that you know the the way this looks, the way that these these characters come together right here. As again, like, you know, we're talking about Skylar and the effects of like a lot of what she's doing is is related to things that are they're they're not a reaction necessarily, but because she doesn't know what Walt's doing, but but just that the way that Walt is sort of having this negative effect across the board with people who come in contact with him. And you're saying, you know, Jesse, he has this this moment where he um he's he's kind of on the upswing, but you know, that that's, you know, that's still rotten. It's still rotten on the inside, you know, that kind of thing. And it's completely unrelated, you know, but um, whenever you think about the way these two characters come together and the timing and, and the, the necessity of having something in Jesse's life that he can lose basically. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, the, the part of the, for the story, for the the way that the story is is there, is that in two hundred four he has nothing left to lose. Mm-hmm. So let's give him something that that he can lose, and and that's a person, and that's a um you know a, it's a it's a character. It's not a it's not a real uh, human being or whatever. But you know we we look at it that way, and you know so like uh, there you know I saw this like I said it's kind of unrelated, but I saw this post that it was kind of like a just one of those um you know posts that you see on twitter where people are you know just getting clicks or whatever you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it was saying something about the why um 
Jesse Plemons is getting so many roles, but Aaron Paul doesn't or something like that. You know what I mean? And um, I'm not sure if, if, if generally speaking that that even really makes sense as an argument or whatever, but it just made me think about the way this character is and the way that Aaron Paul embodied him so much, like through, through these choices that they make for the character and how that, that really isn't like, he just becomes that, you know? So it's, it's very hard to think of him as anything else from that point on, you know like what I mean? Like typecast sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I guess that would be the, the, the negative connotation of that. And I guess that extends to Brian Cranston as well. You know what I mean? Because he kind of always will be Walter White, no matter what you put him into. But I, I was thinking, I was thinking of it, you know, like, I mean, cause obviously Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston have both done things since then, mm-hmm. but I was just thinking about like, you know, just how well this, this journey that, 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 that Jesse's on that we're seeing him in the middle of right now was crafted because it really does. It just, because he's so talented at his craft of bringing this character to life that it's really hard to, to, um, separate them. You know what I mean? I think this for both, both of them, for both Brian and Aaron, this is really, I mean, and everyone that worked on the show, it's career defining, right? So it's hard Mm -hmm. to, again, to, to think of, them as anything but what they are. But I think, and actually, it's kind of a little bit opposite to what you were saying about for Brian. I think this really helped launch his career. I mean, because before Breaking Bad, he was just like that stupid dad from Malcolm in the Middle, you know, and then he gets to really flex his dramatic muscles here. And then he starts getting all these really interesting roles. Like he got to play Trumbo. He got to do LBJ on Broadway. He's got this new show where he's playing this judge on Showtime or whatever it is. So I think it's in a lot of ways, it's really helped it's given him an, uh, more opportunities to work in like film and theater, for example. Um, and and Aaron has had some, had some interesting roles too. He was on Westworld and um, that final final season or two. I don't remember exactly how many he was. I think he was, he was on two. Yeah, two. And we won't talk about Westworld because I have a lot of opinions <laughs> about it. It's not nothing about Aaron Paul, but more about like how that series ended. Uh, anyway, it started so good. I could go on a whole rant yeah. here, but I won't. Um, then he did that, like, I saw this, like, thing he did on Hulu. It was, like, some religious thing, like The Path, or I don't remember exactly what it's called. So he's gotten, you know, opportunities and roles that just haven't been very good. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I guess to your point, I, I think um, t- um, Brian Cranston recently said it was either, like, on one of those talk shows, because, you know, he's been making the rounds to to talk about The Judge and his other projects, um, he noted that, you know, he thinks that uh, Walter White is like or that he got to be Walter White or in Breaking Bad will be on his his tombstone. So, I mean, it is a, a, a significant part of, of their careers. Yeah. And if there's not anything else that we need to to say about Jane right now, I mean, we'll have plenty of time going. I just want to throw in that, you know, when he says, what is he? How does he say? It? He says. Person non gratis is that how yeah. he, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Such a great line, and you know, like the thing about Jesse is that he's not one hundred percent relatable in the sense that I've ever been the kind of person that he is. You know what I mean? But I've known them. You know what I mean? Like he, like, like that. That's I love the way they write how 
you know, that that's endearing to me that he says that, right? You know what I mean? Like, it, I'm not like, oh, what an idiot. I'm like, oh, that's that's funny. <laughs> you know? He's yeah. trying to sound smart, and uh, it, it sounds it sounds goofy. You know, like I, I find those things those things pretty endearing. Whereas, like maybe maybe the first time I watched it, I was just thought he was you know kind of an imbecile. No, it is endearing, and it's a sweet moment, right? Like, because like when you watch the way those two interact, and like you know when he gives her the fake name Jesse Jackson, and he doesn't he doesn't understand he doesn't why she thinks it's funny. That's funny yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even get it. <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's it's a sweet moment between those those two two characters, and he's trying to impress her, and he's trying to flirt with her, and I mean she knows it too, right? And she's receptive to it. To, to she has this very like hard like you know I guess a. Uh, uh, posterior that she's she's trying to to put on like she's tough and she's got guys that'll have his skinny ass out about business yeah 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 but you know he's able to to kind of lower her her walls a little bit and we we already mentioned it but that moment where he talks about how he's this disappointment to his family but he's really a good guy and i think you know in that scene you really get that sense that this is a good kid you know he's of course he's done very horrible awful things that are inexcusable but fundamentally Jesse does end up becoming in some ways like the the moral compass of of the show. And I think like I think Kelly Dixon talked a little bit about this on the Insider podcast, too. And it's like we really get to see Jesse as like this this human being with like thoughts and feelings. And and um, I think he made a really great point, Pete, that, you know, they had to give him something that he could lose. And I was reminded of that scene um, when they're when when Walt and Jesse are in Tuco's hideout. And he's looking, Tuco's looking through Walt's wallet and he pulls out the family photo and he says, oh, collateral, you know, I like working with, with family men. And that's, you know, that's part of the crime series, right? Like they have to have something to lose. And um, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, unfortunately for Jane and Andrea, they really are just devices there to further Jesse's suffering, which um, is yeah. like a whole other conversation we could have kind of. Not on the same topic, but adjacent to like how like the Skylar character is written and some of the choices they make with with women characters and but that's like a you know another story there. But yeah, it's a it's a sad it's a sad scene to watch these two. At least it was for me. Yeah. Bittersweet at best and just just completely <laughs> depressing and sad at worst, I would think. Um, yeah, freaking Walt ruins everything at the end where he wants Jesse to handle it. You handle it and gives him that gun. That's where it all yeah, goes to hell. <laughs> yeah. Do we need to say anything about Hank um, doing his staying home, playing hooky? Um, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, like, I I really think of this as as Hank's episode, and um, I noted this in in my impressions. Like, I think what happens with Hank is super interesting in this episode and so of course the episode's uh title is breakage and so we see a lot of different kinds of breaking he breaks that beer bottle in his hands mm -hmm. um and i love that exchange with with him and marie and she's like what are you doing he says what does it look like i'm doing i'm beating off and she's like that's exactly what it looks like but you know this <laughs> yeah. is how this is how he's blowing off steam and um the way he crushes that bottle in his hand you know ugh 
so painful. And then, of course, later as they're popping off, like, I again, it's a little ba- maybe, you know, overt here, but its contents under pressure are liable to explode. So his bottles explode. And, of course, that, you know, sounds like gunshots to him. And that brings up the PTSD of what happened with Tuco. It's a similar sound to the shootout there. Um, but also he himself is is a person under pressure. His contents are under pressure. And you know that mm-hmm. it's kind of like a ticking time bomb with him. It's going to explode at some point. You're pr- you're probably too young, but did you pick up on the um, the song that he was singing whenever he was before she gets it, before she gets there? Oh, the um, the Schrader Brow song. Yeah, like the, he, he, the variation he, of he it. Take, yeah, yeah, he takes the Lowenbrow song and and he changes it to Schrader Brow. And yeah, like I said, you're probably too young, but that was something that. Was way before my time, technically, but it was it's it's one of those um, jingles that is so catchy that it just I don't know it must have been late seventies early eighties was whenever they had this ad campaign but like I can still hear that that song somehow and I don't even I don't even know where where I heard it it's just like infectious uh, so it's it was cool to hear him um, singing that. Yeah, I had never heard it before. And it actually until, you know, I like reading about the, the episode and hearing them talk about it and stuff like that. I know that's that's where they got it from, but I, I never picked up on that myself. Yeah. And the Insider podcast, they were saying that they had to do it because he changes in the middle and I didn't really know what was happening there. Like he, he says the first verse and which is the pretty much the whole thing, but you would imagine that you would just keep singing that over and over again or whatever. <laughs> and um he they he they start singing something different. They said in the um in the insider podcast that they weren't sure that they'd be able to to use the low and brow uh song so that they recorded two something that Johan Johan Reck taught them from a like Swedish a Swedish drinking, drinking song. song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they were gonna they were gonna use that one if they couldn't and so they ended up using like a the two mixed together or whatever. Another thing that popped out on this is that you can you can pretty clearly see that um, Betsy Brandt is pregnant in this scene. Like it is, you wouldn't notice it, I guess, if you weren't paying attention. But like she's standing in the in the doorway whenever it comes down, and um, she sort of turns to the side, and there there's. It's kind of funny because you because like since you're just not looking for it, since you just know who this character is you wouldn't see it. But as soon as you know that she was pregnant during the season, like it jumps right out at you now. I didn't notice. I would have to actually go back. I mean, I know she's pregnant because like I've just recently learned that the pregnant shot, like the belly of the pregnant, I can't talk. The shot of the pregnant belly that's supposed to be Skylar mm-hmm. was actually Betsy Brandt. But um, I didn't, I'll have to pay closer attention, I guess, going forward. I didn't notice. It's funny too because when they're in the kitchen together and they're having their their heart to heart, look at the way they set that scene up. There's a big giant purple bowl that's sitting on top of another one right in front of her, yeah. her belly in that one. And I thought it was funny that they chose a purple one there. But um, to get back on track, well, I have something that I wanted to to ask you about. So because I I wrote a question in my notes here when 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 I was watching the episode. So I wanted to speaking of a little bit going a little back. Uh, further into the episode at the 
the barbecue that they're having at Hank and Marie's house. So in that same same uh, scene, actually, where you're talking about like her belly being hidden in the kitchen behind the bowls. Um, mm-hmm. when when Hank and Walter outside talking, and Junior is asking about the shootout, and you know Hank is kind of hemming and hawing about it, sort of thing. Um, Walt says uh, to to Hank, he says, "Where do you think these criminals come from? Like, what makes them?" what they are and then to which Hank responds buddy you might as well be asking me about the cockroaches right because he talks about how like you know cockroaches come out you just stomp them you don't think about it and explaining to Junior like how he was able to take out Tuco but I wanted to to ask you about Walt's question there that he's very pointedly asking Hank where he thinks these criminals come from and I, I was wondering what your thoughts were about that like why why does he ask Hank at that moment do you think um, like what, what's going on inside of Walt's head, basically. Yeah. The, what I, what I thought about when I thought, saw this, this time around was the fact that it's kind of a continuation of, of their one-on-one where he was talking about like, you know, why is, why is one thing a crime and, and other things aren't, you know, who makes mm-hmm. those decisions and, and. And I feel like that, you know, there's a there's a through line there as far as what he's thinking that makes him bring that up right there is a good question, because at first it feels it feels like he doesn't he doesn't want to hear about it. He doesn't want to think about it. And and he can see that Junior's getting all pumped up and, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, his uncle's a gunslinger or whatever. And um, he, that's when he sort of stops him. But I, I don't know. I. Why does he, he, his exact, the exact thing that he says is, what do you think it is that makes them like they are? Which makes you think that he's asking the same question about himself. Like, am I like that? Right. Am I? That's what I put in my notes here. Is this like an actual moment of maybe introspection? Cause, um, in, in, uh, 203 bit by Deb B, right? Like he's doing everything he can not to confront some of, well, I mean, it's not just that episode, but he's doing everything he can to not confront these like realities about himself and these truths about himself and really mm-hmm. reconcile the the idea that he can be this like this good family man, husband, father, and then, you know, have this side business where he's killing people and cooking crystal meth. Um, I was, and it seems like Walt really is just doesn't, he lacks that, that self-awareness or like the, but I mean, it's certainly at some point he owns it and he's proud of it. And this is a a great, great point of pride for him that he is this monster that was able to slip under the radar the whole time. At least that's the way I read it later in the series is that he's, uh, he gets off on the fact that nobody was able to figure out it was him. It's like, he's smarter than everyone and was able to outsmart everyone or something like that but here it's like is he do you because I, I don't know if at this point like he really thinks of himself as as a criminal as as what if he's able to really see what he's doing as as monstrous at this point and I think it's interesting and the reason I'm asking you because I think the way that he brings the gun to Jesse at the end of the episode kind of lets us know a little bit more about how he's thinking and mm-hmm. he wants to be Tuco so I think he's very much identifying with Tuco at this at this point in time in his in his life. So when when Hank is describing Tuco as a cockroach, I think uh, this is just my opinion. I think Walt is absolutely, you know, identifying with Tuco, maybe identifying with this this criminality. Yeah, you know, I think this comes at right after they have their confrontation in the RV, 
were, which we haven't talked about yet, but, um, or not, we didn't go through that, that whole scene yet. But, um, if you look at the structure of the episode, they have that, then, then he has this. So they have, he gets confronted with the idea that he needs, that he needs Jesse more than Jesse needs him. Right. And then he's, then he has this realization where he asks this question to Hank and then he goes and has this situation with his wife where she doesn't want to hear about how he feels about her smoking three and a half cigarettes. And then he goes and gives the, um, gives the gun to, to Jesse. So, yeah, I think if you look at the way they structured that, you know, like what, what's going on with him in this episode, then you have to think that Jesse, Jesse brings up the idea that we have to be to go. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that that Walt should say should think that no way I don't want to be Tuco. Nobody wants to be Tuco. We don't want to work with someone like Tuco. But then in in Walt's twisted little process of the way he he engages with the world around him, maybe he thinks to himself, "Then uh, I'm going to be better than Tuco." Yeah, I mean that's exactly how I'm reading this this episode. So when Jesse yeah. suggests that they have to be Tuco, I don't think he means like adopt Tuco's like mannerisms and like his way of like you know well, handling yeah, which himself. Is why but it's hilarious. Yeah, whenever so, he says, "So what are you going to do? Uh, snort meth off a of Boeing?" Yeah, yeah. Know? So Jesse. I mean, means like we have to be the middleman, right? Like we have to cut out that that middleman in the business. We have to go straight from um, from manufacturing to distributing, right? Ourselves, and that's the point he's making. But it's like it's like planted that seed in Walt's head where he starts considering how he has to project this image of strength and toughness and things like that. And in your little recap when you were talking about the structure just now of like how the this episode is set up, just one other really important point is that um, one of their guys, Skinny Pete, gets ripped off right so like that is really like that's the the um i guess the the the, the moment where, where that that allows walt to come forward and and uh, really say like we need to be to go here you need to handle it i want you to handle it sort of thing but it is really interesting that he wants jesse to do it he's giving jesse that that work to do instead of just doing it himself i think it's yeah uh, he- yeah, you know, it. I, what, I, what I was thinking about just there was season one, Walt, before Tuco, he doesn't care about the breakage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, you know, this is, it's kind of weird whenever you watch this the first time, you know, you're thinking, why, why won't he let this go? Like, it, it, like I said, I think it's been pretty well established that he doesn't understand what's happening on the streets. Um he even he even makes the 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 very rare uh admission that maybe he was on a bit of a learning curve and maybe yeah. he was a little <laughs> overly ambitious when they have that great back and forth inside the RV um but yeah i mean like really it's a thousand dollars it's not life changing um he is kind of really focusing on the negative there. Like they couldn't sell any meth before and now they're making like $6,000 a day, according to what Jesse's saying. Like that is the solution to his problem. But because everything is so off the rails in his in his home life because mm-hmm. of going away on the fugue state and not being able to explain what's happening, um, he's freaking out internally. And, and 
and part of that is also probably being in the desert thinking he was going to die in that in that process like i can't really you can't we can't talk about everybody else's ptsd and then not like think about the effects of being in that shack with tuco has on both him and jesse too i guess right i mean like he thought they were going to die um and, but that's you know, like assuming that he has like a normal healthy brain. I'm talking about Walt yeah, here, but, you know, and I'm not sure yeah. that he, he does. And, and the way I read this a little bit differently, I really think this is just like a need for power at this point. Like he can't stand not feeling in control of everything around him. He's lost control. Not that he ever really had much control with his home life, but like Skylar is really giving it to him in this episode. She's just mm-hmm. not compliant at all. He has no control in that relationship. She does what she wants. She ignores him. She doesn't tell him where she's going. It drives him absolutely crazy that he is at such a disconnect with her. And then he's also losing um, some control over Jesse when Jesse calls him Walt. And I think, again, that's why calling him Walt is such a significant choice in, in the script, in the dialogue mm-hmm. of this particular episode, because they really want to draw attention to the fact that this this uh, power dynamic has shifted towards Jesse and Walt, you know, he gets off at, on controlling other people and controlling the situation and it's a complete loss of power for him. So I think like if he wasn't, uh, we already talked about this, but if he wasn't dealing with all this, these other stressors, he probably wouldn't have brought the gun to Jesse at the end and, and mm-hmm. force him. It's like, and it's, I think he also does that knowing that it's going to be a struggle for Jesse and it's a way to like manipulate Jesse to to cower him. Um maybe not and like to in... test him in a way too maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like it's like a like you have to prove yourself or or to 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 knock Jesse off kilter a little bit because he knows that that would upset Jesse. Just from knowing Jesse um and and how he he operates and behaves under under um pressure like with crazy eight and emilio and things like that i i don't know like I, i'm curious to to hear like what other people think like if um any of the listeners wanted to write into us on our on our email or at twitter or something like what do you what do you make of um walt handing the gun to to jesse and putting him on that business to to go handle it right i mean they've of course they've divided the labor that way but since one has like walt ever like abided by rules or anything like that it's, yeah, a, it's it, an interesting it's just... choice it's one of those shitty moments too, where he, you know, I guess we won't go back and and talk about everything that happened in the RV at this point because we kind of touched on a lot. But I did want to bring up that last moment, like where that ends. You know what I mean? And um, the face that he makes when he's processing the reality of the fact that he does, in fact, need Jesse more than Jesse needs him. Like that's mm-hmm. something that he hadn't considered up until that moment. And maybe he he did like intellectually know that, but he didn't think that he would lose control of the situation in a way that that Jesse would would be able to throw that in his face, right? So he has that, and it, and it, I really like the choice of the way that they shot this and the way that it transitioned into the next scene because you could have sat there for a really long pause, you know what I mean, to 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 really drive that home. But they just do it for a, for a short, like they it, they let it hang. They let you see like Brian Cranston register that in in Walter's brain, right? But then it's just enough. Like it would seem like the perfect amount. Of, like I don't know if I guess that would be like the editing more than the way they shot it. But um, it was and just directing. really, yeah. All all I mean, it's a it's a lot of things working together right in that moment. But like I really like the way that they ended that that interaction in the, in the RV. 
And I feel like that that's a direct that directly sets up this weird thing that he does with the gun at the end. You know what I mean? Like that's him trying to reassert some control. It's like, okay, you're right, but I'm gonna make you pay for having this upper hand. You know what I mean? Like you want to be, you know, I need you more, okay, because you have to go out and do this. Well, I want you to do this job the way I want to see it done. Then you know what I mean? And he can exert that that just kind of making him like you said do something that that's not natural to him not not necessary i don't think either you know what i mean like when it really comes down to it um yeah and and, and again it all goes back to the fact that he can't get a response from from skylar and and she won't just uh roll over and say you know it's okay you can come back in and uh we'll just forget it ever happened yep all good points Take a break. Wander around in a fugue state. We'll be right back. Tight, tight, tight. We're back with more GDT. Yeah, I think he he's like, you know, just trying to reestablish some some sense of dominance in that relationship, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like the 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 same thing that Skylar does with Marie, like she needs to have a sense of of respect and control and uh, we see all these characters trying to to do that, and we we see the setup for for Hank at this point. Like he at this point, he's starting to lose control, and we're gonna see uh, what happens with him further on in in the series. But they've they've it is uh, before we started recording, uh, Pete, you mentioned that this feels like a another sort of setup episode, um, and it is. And uh, I, I I'm really excited to talk about like what's coming next. Um, uh, mm. The rest of this uh, the season is is pretty balls to the wall, isn't it? Yeah, it, it. I think. Um, what do we have next? We have uh, Peekaboo. Peekaboo, right? Yeah, Mister and Mrs. Spooge and Baby Spooge. Yeah, then then things escalate from there. I mean, we got we have Saul Goodman coming in a in a few. Yeah, and speaking already. of speaking of Saul uh, Spooge, Mister Spooge makes an appearance <laughs> on uh, Better Call Saul um, shortly after uh, Saul uh, begins his practice as Saul Goodman, and. Um, he looks a lot healthier and cleaner. I, I really wonder, was it just uh, the, the blue meth that, that does this to, to Mr. Spooch? Like, what happened to him in between the time we see him in, in Better Call Saul and uh, in, in uh, this episode? Like, what goes on there? Well, that's the, that's the, the I mean, the, in Better Call Saul, when we see him, it's before this, right? Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. you imagine he was doing meth at that point, but the- uh, He was the doing something. His, he needed a lawyer, yeah. so- <laughs> The way that his his disease, his addiction progressed between yeah. those two times, um, you could see that in this episode. Like I I I, I like the way they they did the um, the montage. Like I said, um, I think in the in the beginning there, like the the way they shot the night scenes there look really cool. Oh you know, yeah, it kind of looks like I love uh, the time lapses. So they do they do a couple. They do the time lapse when Walt is getting the um, the IV. Uh, the chemo mm-hmm. place they do that and uh there there are a couple of other really uh great shots that happened that i didn't really get to talk about but it's not really important because we're going to talk about our favorite shots and favorite lines in just a second and i'll probably t- mention 10 of them anyway you guys know me but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they do that um time lapse and then they do the time lapse when they're showing like you know the sunset in the desert but then the montage with the boys slinging the the crystal that ends in skinny Pete getting held up by Mr. and Mrs. Spooge. It's just Spooge. It's not Mr. Spooge. It's just Spooge. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, is a uh, one of the. It's again very classic Breaking Bad. Like when I think of Breaking Bad, and I think of the the visual language of it, I think of those time lapses. I think of those montages. Yeah, and it, like I said, it, I like how it, the the music choice there. I'm not sure exactly what's playing over it, um, but just you know, all good times. They're they're out there. They're making money. They're they're um, they're getting some status for themselves. You see, all three of them eating it up and then you know mrs spooge um <laughs> who i won't call a skank um <laughs> she 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 does a great job of of the, i mean it's a good plan for for some for some some bottom of the barrel tweakers this is a pretty uh inventive uh plan that they have here and she sells it she really sells the whole the cops are coming thing and um man you really by after after just sort of being infused by the 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 way that they're they're really enjoying themselves throughout that um thing like you really feel it for skinny peak whenever he has the knife at his at his throat or you know in his face at the end there oh it is um, that that scene is like oh it's so hard to watch like uh in that like run down dilapidated hallway that they're in and the lighting yeah, the like really that sort of bright overhead yeah, the light, overhead yeah. like ugh, fluorescent lighting you can see the scabs on their face poor skinny it, like i can smell that scene right like when i watch it i can yeah. like i can actually smell <laughs> what it smells like in there like you know urine or whatever ugh. but but yeah so um I really like the shot, the overhead, the kind of the kind of uh, high shot of the toilet with um, Badger getting the bag out of the back of the um, the water in the back there. Uh, I thought that was that was a really that had a lot of uh, it had a, a nice style to it, the way that it was put together there. Yeah, but yeah, I'm like I, you know, just to just to you know finish off that idea, I thought that we do, these guys are are not new to us anymore. I mean, Combo Skinny Pete. Uh, Badger has has had a decent amount of screen time at this point, but you know we know them. But this is really their introduction uh, into the series in a lot of ways. Uh, we only saw these other two. We only saw the other two like for a short period at at his house before he goes running off and ends up in his uh, parents' lawn furniture. Uh, you know, a few scenes later or whatever. Well, just so, like um, well, just like you mentioned about Jane being something that he could lose, they're they're starting to show us these relationships that mean something to him. So these are his friends; these are his like good friends, probably from high school. He's known them for a while. They watched Battlestar Galactica and smoked dope or whatever. You know, these are his mm -hmm. these are his friends. So, um, this idea of that he's going to lose one of them, and he's the one putting them at risk. You know, he's kind of you know following. Uh, Walt's marching orders and that we should be moving into new territory or whatever. I um, mean, that's some, uh, a choice that he pays for dearly when, when combo ends up getting killed. But I think the, just again, like the same reason they're introducing Jane and in is we're starting to see more about what Jesse has at stake and what matters to him and how, how getting deeper into this business is going to start, like, I don't know, infiltrating his life in other ways. And of course he brings them into the business and uh and yeah, yeah. and just so uh, the and thing there about is there is there is breakage in in said business and you know that's the cost of of doing business said business i guess yeah you, you know. get ripped off you lose your dealers they get shot 
Yeah, yeah, shit goes, goes, I mean, have you ever heard, I mean, whatever, <laughs> I won't go there. But um, just one, a, a couple of other things I wanted to point out really quickly, just like images that, that stood out to me. So you mentioned um, the meth in the, the, the toilet tank, right? But that's also where mm-hmm. uh, Walt hides his cell phone. So um, we see uh, we see the toilet come into play in, in several different ways. And I think like... Um, some stuff gets hidden behind like toilet tanks and better call Saul as well. So yeah, the toilet that's just like as a as an object features really heavily into this this universe and this world. If you're ever searching a bathroom, always search that because it seems like every TV character yeah. you've ever seen, like they think they are the one who invented that as a hiding place. Like they they just discovered it for the first time or something, right? Yeah. Check the toilet tank. And um, yeah. one other thing that stood out to me, and I don't know if it was intentional, something that that um, the writers decided to do, but it was just again one of those like little like visual rhetorical puns that I love, and that's when Jesse first goes back to the junkyard to to give Clovis um, to pay him back for the what he owed them owed him and the damages, and um, some interesting camera work is going on there too, like with the angles and stuff like that. Like Clovis looks like a giant, and Jesse comes up around, you know the. The RV looking mm. all small and everything, but Jesse's trying to negotiate with this guy to, you know, be able to to use the yard to park his car. He wants gate privileges, et cetera, et cetera. And the way the camera is framed is like we see uh, Clovis's uh, um, what you call it, like the ugh, why am I blanking on this word? Like the tow truck, I guess. Tow truck, because yeah. that's what he's working on. <laughs> I don't know, just total brain fart. But he's working on his tow truck. And did you notice what it says on the tow truck? I did not crank it up, right? So I mean, and that makes uh, sense for like yeah. you know crank up. Like, I did you know, notice that, but yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't think about it in context of that. I thought that was funny too. Because yeah, and of course, crank they make crank crank. Yeah, <laughs> crank is uh is slang for um for for methamphetamine, but also to like crank up the the tension, crank up whatever. I don't know. I just in particular, in particular, I think the P two P um style. Yeah that they they cook although i i imagine that that the biker crank was not nearly as strong as as what they're putting out there yeah that's what uh that's what hank called it the biker biker gang crank or whatever mm. is there um is there anything else you wanted to to touch on before we move on one other thing i guess really quickly just to circle back um, to what we were saying earlier about why he shows up with the gun and everything else. I think one of those in that second conversation they have when they're talking about the breakage and, and, and how he just won't let, let that idea go. I think whenever Jesse says he's out there risking his, his ass on the street and, and, and Walt's tucked in at night with his precious family, you know, I think that kind of, I think that hit a little too close to home for him whenever whenever he heard that um, because he, what he's really doing is going home and his family doesn't want to be anywhere around him, you know what I mean? And he can't figure out how to, to make it work. Uh, so that's yep. about it. I think that's about, I think we got about everything. So you want to get into, you want to tell me what your favorite line was? 
Yeah, so there are a lot of really good lines in this one. There's some really funny lines. Um, but I had to go with DBAA, mofos, apply ourselves. And DBAA, of course, stands for don't be an asshole. And that's um, something Jesse picks up from Jane when she asks for an additional yeah. two months of rent. And then apply yourself is something that uh, Walt had written on an old chemistry test from from high school that we we talked a, a lot about um, in that yeah. when we when we covered that episode and how Jesse actually takes that to heart and applies himself. So I love how like he's you know the the student becomes the teacher in a, in a lot of ways and like we we we've seen that to some extent with Jesse when he cooks with other people like when he cooks with Badger. Um, I think Kelly mm-hmm. Dixon referred to badger as jesse's jesse <laughs> and that's like such a perfect way of describing it so like you know this is a, a place where where jesse's the smartest guy in the room sort of thing and yeah. um i don't know I, I just i love like how like they they draw from previous dialogue and that really again shows you how like this character thinks and feels and what he picks up on so he, the dba from jane and the apply yourselves from from walton when he's uh talking to uh skinny pete badger and, and combo I just, I love that. I love that moment. What about you? What was your favorite line? Well, just to, to touch on that, you know, when I think of that, I, I think it it has that extra tinge of, of sadness too, because you know that when he's in there and he's talking like that, he's he's bringing these things that he's, he's heard other people say, he's trying to sound professional. He's trying to put up that front or whatever. Person non gratis. You know, you just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, and you just think about him talking to his mom and saying, you know, like, oh, I, I, I'm thinking of going to business school. And, yeah. and, and you know, that's what he aspires to. And uh, it's it's really kind of heart wrenching in a way. Um, yeah. So for my favorite line, I I picked um, there was a couple of different ones I was going back and forth with, but. I liked uh, so you're going to what snort meth off a buoy knife. Um and like when he's talking to him about being Tuco or whatever, and I really liked as far not the line as much as 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 the acting that he did in the next part when he goes, "Are you gonna, you know, beat your homies, um, you know, if they disrespect you or whatever, and or they diss you?" And he he does the air quotes around this whenever he's he's mm-hmm. delivering that line like i i really like that that whole um exchange there uh but the i but i you know i legitimately laughed whenever i was like snort meth snort meth <laughs> off a of booing oh okay now i see what he said you know so it was a nice callback to to tuco and um you know his his whole thing that that he brings to the uh table what about what about a shot so this was one that shot? yeah this was one I also kind of struggled with because I think there are a lot of really really great shots um, in, in this one but um, the one that I kept coming back to is one we've already we've already mentioned and that's when um, Walt throws away the hope button um, like he he considers it he takes it and I just I love that exchange so he gets this really long ridiculously long as as you described it booklet page long <laughs> uh <laughs> bill and then she's like congratulations and she hands him this this button that you know um says hope on it and it's just like <laughs> and she kind of embraces his hand too right she 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 doesn't yeah. just put it there and pull away she she lingers there a bit to try to make him feel better about the situation yeah like and what an indictment of like the the healthcare system right and like the yeah. uh, but so it's it's just like such a a stark contrast there but yeah and then how like he's like thank you you know, the way 
The way he says it as a question just cracks me up. But then like, yeah, like I think that once he walks out and the actual scene is when he throws it away. I mean, it's not like a really interesting shot or anything like that, but I I chose it just because of like how poignant I think it is in this episode where, again, characters are trying to throw things away that are toxic for them, poisonous to them. And what does he do? Mm -hmm. He throws away this button that says hope. So I thought that, yeah, was was a powerful moment. What about you? Yeah, there was a ton of them in this one. Um, a lot of them I've already mentioned. Um, there was even one like where they were in the desert, and there was just this this still kind of shot of the. It's like a post with um, barbed wire wrapped around it. There was a ton of of really nice, nice little shots like that. So I just went ahead and went right back to the beginning and picked the. Um, the border crossers coming out of the water, coming out of the river, you know, we kind of touched on how that the whole river going, you know, the, how they're so far away where they find the grill and all that. But like the way that, that the way that they come out of the water, it's just, it's such a great shot. I mean, it, it looks like it's really complicated. I mean, they, they talked about it a bit in the, in the insider podcast about how they had to set that up and how it's dangerous, how they had to hire these guys that were, actors but also uh stunt you know stuntmen um so that because they had to do the whole thing and the you know the the people that are on the side are the people that are going through the water and everything else and um yeah it's just when they you know they come out of the water it's you're right there with them the camera comes out and then the way everything looks on the other side like from the from the bank and um it's just a just a gorgeous i don't know what else to say about it It just you couldn't really shoot that any better you know it feels like a perfect way to start an episode and um yeah so that's the one i liked i I really like the way that they did the the closing scene of this episode where it's hank and it's it's an interesting choice right like so we see hank walking and it's like an overhead shot of him and like you see him coming around the side of a building with trees and you're like what the hell is hank doing like we don't see the Mm -hmm. river yet we don't really understand where he is or what he's up to I mean, it kind of looks like he's like in this like kind of rundown place. The building looks like it's in in somewhat disrepair, but he's not in his like, you know, in his in his uh, not that he wears a uniform, but he's not wearing like his DEA stuff or anything like that. So you're like, what is he doing? Where is he going? And then that reveal of him going, walking up to the banks of of the river and and throwing it. And I I almost chose that as my favorite shot, like the way that like it splashes. So like you see him throw yeah. something, and then like the way it splashes like right in front of the camera because where the camera's positioned the across, hang time. Yeah. yeah, is positioned across the the river from him. I thought that was was also really well executed. Uh, yeah, another little bit of trivia was that it, the episode was written as written, ended with um, Walt handing Jesse the gun and saying, "I want you to handle handle it." And then they they thought that this shot of of Hank was so powerful that they decided to end the episode with that instead. Like they they changed it. Yeah, good choice, I think. Yeah, I think it works. I, I would have never noticed it. It does it, like. It's not really important which one comes for, comes first story wise, you know. I mean, they're both they're both just uh, periods at the end of each character's sentence or whatever. But um, it was uh, I think it works works great, and it was um, makes it more of a bookend, like you said, because we start at the river and we end with the river. And I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah.
All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow our podcast and make sure you're hitting that bell so you get notifications for when a new one comes out every Monday. Um, if you wanted to to get them a little bit earlier, you can join our Patreon um, by going to patreon.com slash growth decay transformation. We do post our episodes there a little early. We try to do it at least, uh, you know, the, the, the night before. Um, sometimes these things can take a while to, to edit, but we, we do like to get those out earlier for, for Patreons. So, uh, if you wanted to, uh, to support us, we'd really, really appreciate it. Um, and make sure you rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and, uh, Pete, where can they find us? You can connect with us on Twitter at Breaking Bad GDT. And as always, write to us at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, we're not big posters, but we try to respond whenever whenever we get messages or see people posting on our episode announcements on Twitter. So, you know, hit us up, let us know what you think, and uh, we'll try to. Keep bringing you great episodes of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when we will be discussing Peekaboo.